Well, hey, good afternoon. Good morning, everybody, depending on what part of this beautiful country that you're in. Welcome to the Daily Roundup. It's Friday, which means it's the Alberta edition because you have two Alberta co-hosts. And uh, so we will talk about Alberta. But I think if you're a viewer from anywhere in the country, um, what happens in Alberta affects the rest of you. And, um, you know, it seems as though these liberal attacks on Alberta, they start here and then they go everywhere else. But we're also one of those places that is leading the charge against the things that Ottawa wants to do to you. And when I say Ottawa, so I used to never actually mean the city, but after the Freedom Convoy, <laughs> I think maybe it is the city, but I, I use that uh, interchangeably with Justin Trudeau's liberals. My co-host today is Adam Sos, based in Calgary. Adam, how's it going? Oh, it's going wonderful. Happy to be here. Friday before the election, things are heating up, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Are they heating up or are they settling into probably where they are supposed to be? And I guess we'll talk about that. Uh, and I, I think maybe there's, people are starting to see through some of the mainstream media slash NDP, mm -hmm. but I'm probably repeating myself, their rhetoric. Um, what, I think one of the like underreported stories of 2015 was just how many people in the mainstream media then went on to work as communication staffers in Rachel Notley's government. It was probably <laughs> a, a, a lateral move where they didn't have to adjust their ideology whatsoever. I should tell everybody what we're doing, though, before we get any further into the show. So this is the Daily Roundup. It's normally hosted by David Menzies, but on Friday, it's an all-Alberta show. And throughout the week with David, you will get you know, a rotating cast of characters and co-hosts with him uh, because David is the gas pedal and sometimes somebody else has to be the brakes, if you know what I mean. Um, and it gives us the chance to talk about the news of the day completely unscripted um, in sort of a casual way, maybe the way that you might talk about it with your friends at home. Um, and you can participate in the show. If you're watching us on Rumble, you can leave a paid chat called a Rumble Rant. We'll do our best to read those at the end of the show. If you are on Odyssey, you can leave us a paid chat called uh, Hyper Chat. And you can also join our Locals.com community, um, where on Locals, you'll find all of our free content. But if you join our community, you can get access to our paywalled content there, too. And um, so you can get involved in the show there, too. So plenty of ways for you to be involved in the work that we do, because without you, there really is no Rebel News. We would never ask Justin Trudeau for a penny. Um, I, I don't know if that's a good segue to talk about what we're actually doing in HQ in Toronto. Maybe we'll bring that up right now. Efron yeah, or Olivia, stop me if stop me if I'm being crazy, but let's talk about this. Uh, maybe do we have a clip from what we're doing in Toronto? Maybe let's show that first and then we'll talk about um, why I'm so grateful that you've all been so patient with us um, as uh, we sort of didn't have a live stream during the week. We had a a Twitter spaces to sort of compensate for that. And then we didn't have a live stream yesterday and then we probably won't have one on Monday, but there are other reasons for that. But uh, let's maybe if we have a clip from build the dream, uh, let's show that. Today, I want to announce the biggest plan, the biggest idea we have had in years, eight years to be precise. And I'd love your help with it. If you like our plan and see its value, Rebel News is not a toddler anymore. Seriously, we're almost one decade fighting the good fight. So my big idea 
It's about setting Rebel News up for a second decade of success. Stick around till the end of this video and I'll show you how you can help because you're actually the main part of this plan. Some quick background. Uh, in the eight plus years we've been operating, we've published around 50,000 videos, written stories, podcasts, and add in social media too. Hundreds of thousands of tweets and posts on Facebook, Instagram, Rumble, every platform you can imagine. We've had billions of views and impressions, billions. I think we've made an enormous difference. I mean, our scrum of Pfizer's CEO, Albert Bourla. Mr. Bourla, can I ask you, when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. Was seen more than 20 million times. No one had ever laid a glove on him before until we sure did. And we made a difference by telling the other side of the story and through our activism. For years, we've been using what's called a green screen. It's just what it sounds like, a green blanket, really. And I sit in front of it, and the computer replaces the green blanket with whatever digital background we want. I mean, here's what it looks like. I'm, I'm sitting at a used card table as a desk in front of that blanket. Now, that's fine, but I think it's time we grew up a bit like a teenager who has outgrown his one suit and needs to dress a bit more like a grown-up. So that's the big plan, to replace our homemade green screen studio, which served us well with a state-of-the-art broadcasting center that will not only allow us to do the shows we're doing now, but will let us do things we've never been able to do before. Big panel discussions for TV shows and podcasting. Room to have specials like election night with a bunch of people, even room for a real studio audience. Obviously, that's not going to work in front of a green blanket and a little card table. We have to grow up a bit now and realize we're not just the homemade YouTube operations we were when we started in my living room back in 2015. We are Canada's largest independent broadcaster now. It's time we grew up a bit, not for its own sake, but so that we can do more and do new things and do them better. More reporting, more commentary, more analysis, more podcasts, more special broadcasts. And frankly, we need to improve our game. As you know, we've had some issues with our audio quality and even the coloring of the green screen technology. So what happens when you use six, seven, eight-year-old video and computer equipment? It's good, but it's a bit homemade. We've grown so much. We're almost 10 years old. It's time we thought about the next 10 years. And so we're doing it. We've hired a professional studio design firm. We did our own last time, homemade, and that was great, but... We've hired an agency that does studios for multi-billion dollar broadcasters, even for movie studios. They are total pros. They started working on the design already. That's why I've been doing my show out of our boardroom for now. Here's a sneak peek of how it's going to look. And here's what the studio looks like right now. I mean, the workers have gone home for the day, so I'm not in their way. You can get a hint of it coming to life. So here's the plan. We will continue to produce hundreds of videos, podcasts, and news items every week. But we're going to add to it. We're going to ramp up our work on Rumble.com and on Twitter, which is fast becoming a great free speech platform for video. Right now, we rival major news organizations. We do. We have more than 45 people working for us, both here in our main office and across Canada, and even in Australia and the UK. And when important news happens, we actually compete with the big boys in terms of audience. As you remember, we had over 400 million views and impressions during the trucker convoy alone. That's more than the CBC receives on any average month. We have less than 1% of their budget. 
Our new studio will literally be on par with the CBC studios, except we're not going to burn a billion dollars to do it. The last time we built our studio, we spent $85,000. But this time, even though we're using professional designers and more high-tech equipment, we've managed to hold the cost to just $70,000. And you can already see that it's going to have a real wow factor. So that's about an 11-minute video from Ezra, so I don't think we're going to show it all. But if you want to watch it, it's on the Rebel News main page on YouTube and wherever you find us. Um, and the website is called buildthedream.ca. And you can watch Ezra's video there. And you can see the plan. And you can see the detailed costing of the things that we need to buy and the things that we need to do and the things that we need to build. We've itemized it all there. And we're also showing you how you can not only contribute to help us up the quality here at Rebel News, but how you can sort of get a little perk for yourself. One of my favorite things at Rebel News is the symbolic bricks in our office in Toronto. Because when you walk past, you can see all, it's like a, I'm not frequently in the office in Toronto, but when you walk past, it's like a, a moral boost because you see all these people who are cheering for you to fight on to live and, and you're giving voice to them. They gave you a brick, but you're actually giving voice to their issues. And it, it makes me really proud. And it sort of fills up your tank to fight another day. And there are ways now that um, you can continue to be part of our plan to build Rebel News. So 100 bucks gets you a brick on the wall and you can put your little inscription there and one of my my favorite things to do is when i'm in toronto i'll take a picture of a brick of someone that i've come to know now through my work at rebel news and i'll send them the picture um to show them like yes your brick is here and your brick is cheering for us to keep fighting um you can get a foundation stone for 500 bucks 1500 is a very rare cornerstone and uh, you can even sponsor um half the cost of the studio uh like the saddle dome or roger's place or Rexall or whatever it is in Edmonton now. So there are plenty of different ways that you can get involved, um, but um, we're not changing the grassroots feel of the company. You can tell that it's still a very modest set. Um, and I still, you know, have my green bed sheet behind me. Nothing's changing over here at the Liberty Outpost on uh, the Gun Ponderosa. But uh, we're just upping our game in the studio a little bit and things age pretty quickly with technology that we're using constantly. So again, that's buildthedream.ca if you want to help out um, and help us compete with the CBC in their $1.3 to $5 billion annual budget. We need 70000 Yeah. And compete we can and compete we will and compete we have been. Uh, last night... Uh, it was incredible to be out. We actually had like a, a crew of four of us out covering this UCP rally that took place uh, in Calgary. Um, and a bunch of people were coming up saying, hey, is anyone else here? There's a couple cameras there, but they're saying, wow, is Rebel the only one covering this? Um, so it is really incredible. And, and it's because of people out there watching this, supporting this, the probably hundred or so people last night who shook my hand and got the opportunity to take pictures with some of these people as well. Uh, a really incredible opportunity. Obviously, we're covering this election on albertadecides.com, but it is so nice to get out to some of these events where we can meet the people who not only watch the show, but help make this possible. Listen, whether you like it or not, if you're paying taxes, 
CBC is getting some of your money directly. Why not sort of even if you've never chipped in before, why not chip in five bucks or chip in what you can uh, help us take a sort of stand and, and let them know that we're the big boys. I, I have to say, honestly, whether it be the political parties, NDP, Trudeau uh, uh, aside, who try to exclude us, um, the political parties, the staffers, even the other media outlets, they're 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 respectful of us. Their tone is changing. The culture is shifting. Um, I had an, at an NDP event the other day when uh, their staffers were being rude to me, uh, a CTV camera guy yelled at an NDP staffer for blocking my camera. Like the tide is changing and it's because of everyone out there supporting us uh, and making this possible. So again, thank you so much. If you could chip in something to help we're not talking about billions of dollars here. We keep it modest. We keep it grassroots. We always will. But if we can get that studio built, we can be, we can do more. We can invite people in. There's more opportunities. We can have those conversations, ask those questions only we're willing to ask and ask those questions that you want answers to, which is precisely what we're doing last night. Quite a turnout at this UCP rally. Originally, yeah. actually, they, they were expecting it to be inside. So when you got there, there's construction going on parkings all over the place you go into one spot it was a high school grad so that wasn't the spot the other room it was originally supposed to be in well we couldn't go into there because they wouldn't fit over 1700 people registered but the tent that they set up for 1700 people well that completely overflowed and there's actually hundreds of people standing outside around the tent i think it wound up there's about 35 they're scheduled to be 37 but i think about 35 uh, former mlas and uh, ucp candidates were on location We'll have a video out soon. I actually spoke to 14 of those candidates. Um, so asking some uh, tough questions, but incredible. Well, what do you make of this momentum in what is supposed to be such a hotly contested battleground to have 2000 plus people show up at this event? Yeah, I think it was 2,500 was the final count, sort of a rough estimate of the crowd size. It caused a traffic yeah. snarl for hours, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which... Could have got them all charged with terrorism. This is Justin Trudeau's Canada, <laughs> don't you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, I think this leads to um, what I sort of was talking about off the top of the show. And that is that while the pollsters who seem to be oversampling Edmonton and the NDP want us to believe that Calgary is really the battleground for I guess the fate of the province. I'm not so sure it is. Um, I've been talking to some contacts inside the UCP, people who are privy to internal polling, and they're saying it is, they're happy. They're pretty confident. Yeah. Now, Ed Edmonton, the UCP are going to lose some seats, I think, uh, even in some of the suburban areas where you know they, they've really been UCP and CPC strongholds. Mm -hmm. Some of those are going to flip. Um, but you know, rural Alberta is always going to be completely conservative. It always is. And yeah. in Alberta, you have to win all of rural Alberta and either Edmonton or Calgary, the UCP yeah. are going to take Calgary. Um, they might lose a couple seats, but I really think on the issue of affordability jobs and fighting back against Ottawa, provincial autonomy. It, that's those are the winning issues for all yeah. Albertans, including new Albertans, people who have moved here because uh, their own province's closeness with Ottawa has destroyed their local economy. They come here and they want a province that's going to fight back and be different. 
And I, I just yeah. don't think those people are being swayed by the NDP. I just don't. Yeah. And I think that the, even when we we're talking about Tarek and I had a conversation about where potential battlegrounds could be, I think the point is more so aside from maybe like Banff, Kananaskis, that's a little bit up in the air and a few other places, anything outside of Calgary and Edmonton are pretty much decided UCP. Edmonton going to overwhelmingly go uh, NDP, that's clear. I think I think what we're saying is that there's a potential that Calgary's the only place where it could be swayed, but I think you're probably right. I certainly hope you're right that it won't be as much of a, of a battleground, but you're basically, I think there's about eight, eight, eight ridings constituencies. Some have, have cited it as 12, but within Calgary, there's probably eight where there's a little bit of contention. And what you would have to have happen is I think the NDP would have to win seven or eight of them, basically a sweep in what are, uh, the polling is generally favoring uh, the UCP in those writings, a couple of the NDP are a bit ahead, but you would need a very unlikely NDP sweep of Calgary uh, to turn things. Now, likely not to be a big majority government. Uh, I mean, obviously in Alberta, it will be a majority because that's how it works effectively with the two main party system. Uh, no, no one else uh, likely, uh, aside from uh, the UCP ejected uh, Johnson candidate, likely to win as an independent. Um, so it will be a majority. It might be a small majority, but I, I think you are right. Um, tomorrow will be interesting. Alex Dollywall, our uh, reporter who's been covering the election as well, will be at the, uh, I think, Rise and Shine NDP rally that's taking place in Calgary. And it'll be <laughs> interesting to juxtapose those, um, juxtapose those and see what the turnout is like. Obviously, they could bust people out. Who knows? That's also on the weekend. But if they don't have significantly more people and it's a weekend, that, that'll be a pretty strong indicator. Well, yeah, it's a rise and shine rally. Like, what time is it? NDP voters ten. don't get up early. I know. <laughs> that's yeah, still a little early, early for them. them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little early for them. You know, and it, that's the thing. We've seen these videos of massive UCP turnouts for their rallies. They're, people are really mm -hmm. energized. And I think um, that might be the fatal flaw in the NDP's strategy of talking up their polling is yeah. that that really motivates the UCP base to turn out, to get the vote out, to volunteer. People, um, disaffected conservatives who are like, ah, I'm just so fed up with the UCP because of Jason Kenney, by the way. He kneecapped Daniel Smith by staying on too long. Um, but those disaffected people who are like, ah, I, I just, they haven't earned my vote quite yet. Yeah. Those people will turn up on election day if they think the, the NDP are going to win because they're not NDPers. They are conservatives who just really want their politicians to prove to them that they are indeed conservative. So I think this might blow up in the NDP's face. But yeah. I mean, even last, last weekend, I poked my head into a Daniel Smith rally. I just thought, I, you know, I wasn't going to do a report, but I wanted to see for myself because I had seen earlier in the day, Daniel Smith was doing like a whistle stop uh, campaign tour through the capital region. And, yeah. uh, you know, just stopping in on the local candidates, whatever. And there was an unannounced stop with only the campaign volunteers, by the way, uh, yeah. in Sherwood Park. And I think one of those ridings in Sherwood Park is going to be a toss up. Um, so the NDP tweeted out this picture. Oh, Danielle Smith can't get people to turn up for um, a, like a, a campaign stop in the greater Edmonton area. Mm -hmm. It was completely unannounced. And also, what kind of weirdo are you that you're lurking uh, in the bushes? Basically, I knew where I like I'm I'm from this area. So I knew where that photo was taken. 
And so I was like, yeah, are you hiding behind like a lilac bush? You total weirdo. Oh, yeah. Um, they have people <laughs> sneaking into events. I'm not joking. They oh, have people sneaking oh, into events. It's creepy. A hundred percent. And they're getting caught um, yeah. because it, one of them said something to that effect to Alex Dollywall. Like basically um, you can't come in because the uh, UCP kicked us out, like the NDP staffer out of an event. And Alex is like, I'm a journalist. You're an NDP staffer. We are not the same. Um, <laughs> but um, anyways, I poked my head into this Edmonton event and the venue was like, it was enormously hot that day, like super muggy. My hair was a disaster. It was uh, just packed, like it's five, 600 people up the stairs, out down the street. And I'm like, this is pretty good turnout momentum, even in Edmonton, where it seems that all might be lost. But the UCP energy is still really high there. And I have not seen images like that from any, not a single NDP event, no matter how many union activists they truck in. Yeah. And it's, you know, what's wild is it just speaks to the continued American style lying campaign. And we can say lying now because it's not, it's not up for debate. There'll be dozens of events with hundreds of people. And then literally Jeremy Nolay and the NDP staff will take a picture of like a meeting and pretend that that is the type of rally that they're having mm. it's just so categorically dishonest they'll say they'll take questions from everyone then they don't take questions they'll tell me to my face oh yeah two questions are fine then they'll pretend to hand me a mic and and yoink it away last second it's it's ridiculous and frankly it's it's embarrassing and it's incredibly unbecoming of politics and alberta canadian politics i mean justin trudeau's to to blame this this sort of radicalization of politics uh excluding media outlets listen if if there was someone within the media who was literally engaging in constant hate speech i wouldn't have a problem with them being excluded to be honest but that's not what's happening here they're taking people who are asking fair tough questions the same types of fair tough questions we asked to the ucp or anyone else by the way and they don't want those they want those people excluded they only let the people in who are going to echo their talking points people who are screaming at the ucp having outbursts at events um making absurd allegations like asking danielle smith if she's a follower of hitler those people will they're certainly allowed and welcome into the ndp event but if you want to ask a, a question about say the ndp cutting funding for a hospital well then you're not welcome it's troubling to see and it's it's a pattern that i'm shocked that ndp voters who who hate the term american style anything american style healthcare, american style uh, gun control american style whatever it may be they hate all that but then they're engaging in this very u.s presidential campaign where it's all personal attacks and and overt lying we've heard uh numerous times allegations on the front of pastor arthur pavlowski from rachel notley even though i think she's been warned she again tweeted the other day he was charged with uh sort of uh, inciting violence against inciting police that's violence. also cat that's false that's not what was alleged at all so that the, the, they've been lying throughout this campaign um and i think and i hope albertans will see through it it is very much a test of this province um if the ucp manages to win despite the sort of conglomerate of uh, media cabals conspiring against them all the hysteria all the madness all the clips from a radio talk show um everyone has been working against Danielle Smith, except for her team. Um, we've been asking tough questions, uh, holding her to account as well. It's going to be a, a, a strong litmus test of, the, of and, and I've, I've called it a test of the soul of Alberta, if it's still there, if they can look past all that, look at the policies, look at the facts, look at the economic recovery, and see the direction that this province is going. 
it's going to bode well for conservative politics moving forward. And I think the NDP is going to have to take a serious look at themselves. If the NDP loses, I hope that they turn into a serious party, not a radical ideological extremist party that's pushing things that, that frankly, most Albertans don't want. I hope that they serve as a sensible counterpoint that holds the government to account instead of an, a radical ideological wing of the left. You know, this is where I will put this into context for the rest of the country and why this election is so mm -hmm. important. Uh, so besides the fact that, you know, if you have a government here that does not push back against the feds on the things they want to do to our energy sector, the rest of the country is far worse off. If Alberta yeah. is not busy drilling, exporting, the rest of you are far worse off because of it. Because whether you like it or not, we tend to be the economic furnace of this country and our furnace runs on oil. Um, and, and all of that affects affordability for everybody else. So you need a province that's pushing back on energy, but you also need a province that's pushing back on public safety. So Alberta and Saskatchewan sort of led the way when it came to the pushback on the latest gun grab. And mm -hmm. then all the other provinces said, yeah, us too, yeah, us too, yeah, us too. But here's the, the big one that happened, I guess, probably 10 days ago now. Uh, Daniel Smith makes an announcement saying, you know what, if the feds aren't going to deal with bail, we will. We're going to start slapping ankle monitors on violent criminals who probably shouldn't be out on bail and probably shouldn't be anywhere near a school. But we have no way of knowing if they're anywhere near a school. So we're sticking ankle monitors on them because Bill Blair won't. And Marco Mendocino doesn't care. So guess what happens right away? After every single province and just about every single police force in this country begging the feds for some sort of bail reform, including putting a stop to no cash bail. You know how frustrating that is for cops? Arresting the same guy over and over again. And he goes before a judge and the judge says, uh, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, but no cash. So he's out like yeah. literally then. And that cop who's got better things to do is going and arresting the same local crime wave guy yep. over and over again because they just go before JP and the JP says no cash bail and you're out again. Well, meanwhile, Tamara Leach is sitting in there for 50 days. Yep. She said, Daniel Smith makes an announcement saying, look, the feds aren't doing anything about bail reform. We technically can't do anything about bail reform, but we can make it harder for offenders who are released in Alberta. And so she did. And what happens, uh, like, Maybe 72 hours later, the feds announced bail reform. So yeah. she did that. You know, she she somebody had to say, okay, the feds aren't doing this. We're gonna, and it shames the feds into doing something because all of a sudden, Bill Blair's like, oh heck, that that lady who doesn't like us, who's running Alberta, is actually doing something good, and then it it forced the hand of the feds. And so a freer, stronger Alberta led by someone who believes in freedom and liberty and public safety is going to make the rest of the country better because it will force the hands of the feds. And there's also the, the sort of sentiment that Saskatchewan is very much along the same trend you mentioned with firearms, but on, on a number of other fronts taking a stand. As a result, Saskatchewan is also booming. But if Alberta, it, we've got these two provinces saying, no, 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 enough is enough. Obviously, BC is where they are uh, beyond lost, it would seem. But if you have these two sort of strong Western blocks, uh, reasonably strong economic engines, major resource providers, major contributors to the economy saying, no, 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 enough is enough. It isn't just one place standing alone. 
And then you start to have momentum. Canada is very much monkey see, monkey do. One city says, oh, we'll bring back fireworks. Suddenly everyone else is bringing back the fireworks. We'll talk about that later. But uh, you literally saw even throughout COVID-19, uh, if one if, if Toronto locked down and shut down schools, Alberta would follow suit once they unlocked. So th there's, some, there's some copycatting. And people like to have someone else taking the lead. They don't want to be alone. If we have an NDP government in Alberta and we stop standing up to Ottawa and it's Saskatchewan left alone, well, if they don't have that ally to take a strong stand and to push back, well, lots of that progress in the right direction could be lost. If, on the other hand, we see with this strong position that Daniel Smith has taken advocating for this province, which, by the way, when BC does it in order to legalize drugs and do crazy stuff, the media has no problem with it. But when Daniel Smith does it, she's a separatist lunatic, according to them, uh, which is which is ridiculous, by the way. But if we have two provinces with valid mainstream governments elected that win elections and have a clear mandate and they're campaigning on standing up to Ottawa and saying, no, enough is enough. We're not going to apologize. That is a winning recipe for conservative ideology within this province. Now, I don't know if it's going to affect and change minds in Toronto, but it, it does to some extent because people are leaving Ontario. Once again, they weren't when the NDP was in. We saw population growth, growth decrease. But now that the UCP is back in, we're seeing population growth. We're seeing people come here because they're in pursuit of these ideas. They're in pursuit of these jobs. They're in pursuit of these opportunities. Um, so it... it, it is promising for the long-term prospect of conservative government. Uh, pair that with the fact that the, the federal liberals are, are dipping. Some polls even have them uh, not able to form a coalition government. Um, and and it, it suggests a positive trend. We're far overdue uh, for a pendulum swing back from that extreme left. And uh, this provincial election, followed by the next federal election, I think, will be key in determining where this country heads moving forward. Uh, I think on even another plane. So if I had to guess, if I had to even put money on it, I'm not much of a gambler, but if I had to put money on it, when Rachel Notley loses, there will be a pretty heavy lobbying campaign from within the NDP proper to have her replace Jagmeet Singh. Yeah. Uh, because she's female, she's from Alberta, she's Western. Um, she's checking a lot of boxes. She's a former premier. Um, and so she's probably the most successful NDP politician by NDP standards, right, <laughs> yeah. in the country and I think probably the last 20 years. I mean, she won in a conservative stronghold. She yeah. she cracked Fortress Alberta. So for them, that's that looks really good. Yeah. Um, and frankly, I, it makes me want to join the NDP just to vote for her to be the leader because it is the best thing that ever happened to conservatives if there is actually not... Um, a mental lightweight like Jagmeet Singh running the NDP. The only reason, or one of the only reasons, or at least a major contributing factor to Harper's success for so long was the leadership of the NDP, which acted as a counterfoil and offered something different than the liberals. So mm -hmm. Thomas Moore, fundamentally opposed to well, almost everything that comes out of that man's mouth, but not a crazy person at all. Yeah. And would hold the liberals to account. He made the House of Commons quite interesting. And it, instead of, as it is right now, the progressive vote coalescing around the liberals, uh, it, it makes it almost an insurmountable hill for the conservatives to climb. You need to fracture that progressive vote on the other side. And wouldn't it be great if this woman from Alberta was suddenly the federal NDP leader um, mm -hmm. It would do terrible things to Justin Trudeau's polling numbers 
and the conservatives would come right up the middle. So um, anyways, if you are in the rest of the country, cheer for Daniel Smith to lose. You don't, or I'm sorry, don't cheer for Daniel Smith to lose. Cheer for Rachel Notley to lose. I don't care who you support, but cheer for Rachel Notley to lose because it is the best thing for the rest of the country if there will be that lobbying campaign for her to join the NDP proper and lead the party there. Yeah, well, and I, I think that there, there, and I talked about on the provincial level, if the NDP sort of refocuses, gets away from the radical stuff and is serving as a sort of a sensible counterpoint, um, to have that on the federal level, because Jagmeet might occasionally tweet a criticism of Justin Trudeau, but he's actually the only person who can do anything about it, and he doesn't. Yep. Um, if there was someone there who was advocating for things, and, and the thing is, as conservatives, as we've seen, I, the, the People can use the term slippery slope, but conservatives are generally willing to work with people from other parties on initiatives that they support because it's not like every single idea that progressives, I mean, maybe ideologically, but every single sort of social element that progressives have. Uh, there was a question during the Alberta debates about what policies do you agree on? There's some opportunity to work together. Justin Trudeau doesn't really want to work together with anybody. He has Jagmeet and the NDP basically just propping him up. Um, he gives them the odd sort of, he throws them the odd bone on some of their policy ideas, but he's basically unilaterally acting in his own interests um, and, and to the exclusion of anybody else. It's That's why his polls are plummeting. Um, I think a uh, Pierre Polyevre government uh, with perhaps Rachel Notley, and we're getting into federal politics now, as an NDP opposition, if they surpass the feds, but we do have, or the, the liberal federals, um, and we do have a majority or at least a strong conservative government, I think there's a possibility they could actually work together. And you could have the conservatives being held in check by something, perhaps perspectives on the on the left you and I don't agree with. But having those sensible countermeasures there, I, I think, is pretty, pretty important towards the country moving forward. That's what politics before Justin Trudeau was like. The, pol the parties weren't all too far from each other. It wasn't radicalized to this extent. One party would be saying, oh, let's cut taxes a bit more and change this. One would be saying, oh, no, we need to spend into a deficit of it now because of, of this. It was it was nuanced. This was a time when eighty thousand dollars could get you booted out of the office. Um, we've entered a completely different world of politics mm -hmm. now. Um, it's extremely concerning, and and hopefully some uh, hopefully an Alberta win for the UCP results in not only a win for Alberta moving forward and continued growth, but uh, sort of restructuring, re envisioning of how federal politics uh, works, so we can have a little bit more uh, honor restored and decorum restored uh, at Parliament Hill, and in the fashion that you expect. Canadian politics to be carried out. So we've touched on a couple of things that Danielle Smith is proposing, um, you know, closer monitoring of uh, repeat offenders who are out on bail. Um, she's also uh, proposed uh, locking in personal taxes. Um, she's uh, wants to lock in corporate tax, small business tax, the NDP are proposing a hike in the corporate tax because the NDP don't know who the corporations are in this province. It's not Walmart and Amazon. It's the guy with the welding truck. <laughs> like yeah. that's who you're going to hit with these. It's the farmer who's running his farm as a corporation so that he can pay for his kids uh, tuition by giving the kid a salary for on the farm yeah. wages. There are lots of different ways why people choose to be a corporation to structure things. So when Rachel Nutley raises her corporate tax, Amazon, Walmart, you know, John Deere, they can eat those, but it's the guy with the welding truck or the oil field contractor because the entire oil field runs on contractors now. Those are the ones that are going to get hit. But the NDP, they they really know 
what is important to Albertans and it is uh, getting a plastic health care card. Adam, this is your story. Oh, <laughs> it is so stupid that the yeah. NEP think that this is a campaign thing that anybody even cares about. My healthcare card, I don't know what healthcare cards are like in other provinces, but in Alberta, there are these little paper things that uh, languish away in the part of your wallet that you can't get your finger into, but you should be able to. Um, mine turned to literal dust when I was 21. And I've never been denied healthcare because I didn't have the physical piece of uh, like a, a snippet, a remnant, yeah. a relic. I, you know, if it were a piece of a saint, it would be a relic. It's just like nothing. Um, but I've never been denied healthcare because I didn't have this thing. But the NDP, yeah. they're going to blow a ton of money on this. Go ahead. Yeah. $46 million. Like nobody cares. First of all, I think every adult can probably laminate their card if they want to preserve it. I did. Mine's fine. Um, if you didn't, you can still access million? healthcare. Uh, what's that? It's ten and a half bucks a Canadian for a plastic card. Yeah. Albertan for a plastic card. Yeah, yeah, ten bucks per. Like, and, and we'll talk about this later. But keep in mind, this is the government that pulled spending, the NDP that pulled spending on the building of a Red Deer hospital. But hey, if you have a card, if you have a card, a polycarbonate eleven dollar card that that's going to absolutely save your life when you don't have a hospital to go to. And the fact is it's not just the NDP acting like this is this big glorious thing. Like the media got on this like finally. How many people who are watching right now have ever thought, "Man, oh man, I really wish they would bring an $11 polycarbonate card. If a party is willing to do that, I will vote for them." It's such a non-issue, especially we're like we're we're trending away from like needing physical this. anything and i know there, yeah there's been there's been talks in the past about just sort of amalgamating it and having it within your driver's license and then when people were renewing their driver license driver's licenses they could just rad rationally and without a massive cost upgrade them as they go gradually no but this they have to create this massive card system you know what this is, is this is a mascot it's it's a it's some physical representation that we're the party that cares about healthcare, the party that cancels hospitals, and then most of their announcements about new hospital developments, they're developments that are already underway under the UCP. So they're really not doing anything. But you're going to have this this symbol that I'm sure progressives will have tattooed on them of of forty six million dollars in spending. How many surgeries is that? How many nurses is that? How many doctors is that yeah. that are sorely needed? And and, th and this is what they're spending it on. And there's yeah. the tweet and for the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. they made an uh, the UCP invested in the Red Deer Regional Hospital expansion. It's now in the design phase. It's going to begin construction immediately. The NDP took it off the capital plan in 2018. They can't be trusted to get it done. Incidentally, that's the first time in 2018 that the NDP floated the idea of these stupid plastic cards when they were in government. Now I. Anytime I go to the doctor, like my family doctor knows who I am, so it doesn't really matter. But if yeah. I've ever had to take kids to the emergency room because they're in a sports-related incident, as my <laughs> older daughter frequently is, um, I just go there and I'm like, they're like, healthcare card? I'm like, no, uh, mine vaporized <laughs> in, in uh, you know, the early or the late 90s, I guess it turned to dust. And they're like, okay, last name. And they just look it up and they're like, yeah, perfect. We got you here. Thanks. So I don't even yeah. know why we need a card at all, including the paper yeah. one. You just give them their name. If they need to prove who I am, here's my driver's license. Um, 
and that's it. But I've never even gotten that far because I'm reliably informed that you can't deny people health care in this country. So I don't know what the point of all of this is, um, except just pointless virtue signaling. And you know, one thing that came up in the debate, by the way, was the constant talk of uh, the NDP saying, Danielle Smith is going to make you pay for healthcare. And Danielle Smith is like, nope, never said that. And they keep saying it over and over again. In the meantime, it comes out in the debate that the NDP, when they were in power, were charging drug addicts like 40 bucks a day for yeah. inpatient treatment. I'm like, these people have nothing, nothing. They're on yeah. the streets. They're stealing for their next fix. They're living in a cardboard box and you want 40 bucks for them to stay in treatment. Yeah. The NDP were the ones who were charging the most vulnerable and the most unable to pay for life-saving health care. The gall yeah. of these people to lie about what the UCP plans are. Uh, for me, honestly, and I did not expect it because I didn't know what this announcement was going to be when I got there and I saw like four chiefs and elders from different communities and like 20 people lined up. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be something. This the, the addictions announcement, and I've had the opportunity, I talked to Nicholas M- Milliken, who's mental health and addictions uh, last night, as well as after that event, um, as well as uh, speaking to Mike Ellis about this, who gave that incredibly impassioned uh, response about not leaving 12-year-old Alex, uh, addicts rather on palliative care by giving them drugs. The NDP's proposed response, which Rachel Notley has now uh, tried to deny this, despite the fact that uh, Janice Irwin and a number of other MLAs have ad- advocated for this. Their effective plan to treat this and what they would like to do is charge addicts $40 a day for a recovery and then give them free drugs. Yeah. (laughs) That's their plan for addiction. It's insane. If anyone cares, if you care about healthcare, if you care about the vulnerable, if you care about people who are struggling, the UCP's approach to addictions and mental health issues is far more like a concerned parent. And the NDP's is far more like a bad friend who sort of enables your 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 addiction it's it's wild i think people on the left progressives concerned people uh, people who are passionate about issues for homeless people that should be the number one voting issue for them yeah the the ndp is literally the devil on your shoulder <laughs> like, like if the devil you know like you have the angel and the devil and the the angel's like no that'll be bad for you that that'll ruin your whole life and yeah. the ndp are like just do it and then just do it <laughs> like that's who they are when it comes to addictions treatment that's that's their role in all of this um maybe we should bump ahead let's talk about the endorsement of pierre polyev because we have a video of that and then um i think we have the harper we'll talk- one now yeah the harper second one, harper, there's the yeah. second harper one because he already yeah. endorsed once but now he really really means it and then yeah. we also have a polyev one where Perfect. he endorses Smith also. So I don't know, whichever one the team wants to play first. And then we'll talk about the uh, victory of the fireworks after that. For the noise on the choice between the NDP's Rachel Notley and conservative Danielle Smith. Notley will work for Trudeau and Singh, the NDP Liberal Coalition bosses in Ottawa. She'll support higher carbon taxes on your gas, heat, and groceries. She'll help Trudeau attack the energy sector putting you out of a job. And speaking of jobs, she'll raise taxes on job creators, pushing you onto the unemployment lines. That'll mean a weaker economy with less money for schools and hospitals. 
On the other hand, Conservatives will fight the carbon tax, stand up for Alberta and its energy sector, and unleash the full potential of our Alberta economy in order to grow and prosper in the future. That means more money for schools and hospitals. In other words, vote for Alberta, vote Conservative, vote early, vote now. And vote often. <laughs> vote a lot. <laughs> vote repeatedly. And block and block infrastructure. And <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Gee. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. The responses to that, obviously, uh, the last time we saw a political rally in Calgary that was similarly sized was at Spruce Meadows, and it was Pierre coming down. Um, I think it was 3,000 yeah. plus at that event. Um, so generally among conservatives, obviously in the polling, he is quite liked. Now, I know some people who are concerned about uh, Danielle Smith maybe leaning a little bit left or a little bit progressive or mainstream compared to what they supported in the leadership. That's kind of the only criticism I've heard of this. But generally, uh, this endorsement seems to be a positive one. I know a lot of people last night, there was some rumors spreading at the event that there's going to be a surprise guest, which I didn't hear from anyone other than people there. But a bunch of people thought Pierre was going to show up. Um, and they were very excited for that. So I think that that this is a a strong indicator pair, obviously uh, pulling quite well here in Calgary compared to Trudeau. What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it's unsurprising. You assume that the federal conservative party leader is going to endorse the conservative leader here for victory. But I think it will alleviate, I think, some people who are like, eh, is she, like people who are skeptical of her um, mm -hmm. establishment conservatives are probably more skeptical of her than um, freewheeling conservatives like me. Um, I think this actually will help them uh, yeah. cast a vote for her, I think. Yeah, I agree. Certainly. That's almost the inverse of the point I made. If people on the fringes are a little more like, I don't know about this mainstream thing, people within the party, and, and I think that is probably a, a group you want to win over, there probably are undecided moderates who like Pierre and have bought into some of the media spin that Danielle yeah. is so kooky um, to have someone like that weigh in. And then uh, to the next extent, someone who's definitely very establishment has also endorsed uh, Danielle Smith. And it's, it's not entirely common. Uh, it's not uncommon either, but to have former leaders step in. But Stephen Harper has also offered his endorsement. Twice. It's interesting. <laughs> Twice, yeah. Twice. It's really interesting to see, though, like all the fake former conservatives that the NDP are rolling out. Uh, despite the fact that they they've been not conservative for a very long time, um, here are actual <laughs> you know conservatives. Sorry, you know who's doing a really funny job of this? Okay, so I think we're referring to Thomas Lukasik that yeah. that you're talking about. Who he's voting for the NDP now? Thomas Lukasik was a Redford Allison Redford cabinet minister from the old Progressive Conservative Party of Alberta, and I forget the tens of thousands of dollars he ran up in cell phone fees on yeah. a single trip to Europe. Um, it, I think it was like 60 or 80,000. It was something enormous, right? He was so entrenched in the old corruption of the former progressive conservatives that he played a very strong role in bringing the party down and thus electing the NDP and giving us four yeah. years of just absolute misery. He, he was part of that debacle. Um, and so now, though, he's endorsing the NDP as a former conservative. I don't even think he was ever actually a conservative. I think his only ideology was power. And that's how you got elected in Alberta was yeah. um, you just sort of 
hooked your cart to the progressive conservatives. On the flip side, I see Raj Sherman is running for the UCP. And I think Raj Sherman was a liberal at one point, And he's had yeah. a bit of a come to Jesus moment, um, which is fine. I know people are skeptical, but we're out there evangelizing the good word of personal responsibility, freedom, and uh, conserving cultural um, uh, attributes. And if we get a convert, I think we should welcome them into the fold until they prove to us otherwise. And so, yeah, Raj yeah. Sherman, on the flip side, he's like, yeah, I was one of them, and yikes. So um, anyway, by the way, Brad Tennant, former uh, UCP so staffer, so funny on Twitter. He's doing a great job of saying, like, as a former NDP or this, this, and that. And People as a don't former get that NDP-er, he's joking. I know. I yeah, know. it's so funny. Because he's so yeah. good at it. Anyway, I'll shut up. You were making a point. He, he, he said, media, qu- send me a message for a, a quote, and I send, I'm going to send him one for sure. <laughs> Harper uh, clip, yeah, right? Yeah, I think we were, Harper yeah. clip. Yeah, please, sorry. Yeah. Fellow Albertans, after some tough years, our province has finally recovered from the last NDP term. But Rachel Notley is promising to undo all that progress. The NDP is promising to hike taxes on job creators by 38%, a massive hike that would kill tens of thousands of jobs. Rachel Notley tried a similar tax hike the last time she was Premier. Investment fled our province and mass layoffs ensued. It's no wonder Rachel Notley doesn't want to talk about her record as Premier. Nor does Rachel Notley want to talk about the fact that the Trudeau Liberals are voting NDP in this election. Rachel Notley and Justin Trudeau are a combination that puts Alberta's economy at great risk. In this election, there's only one option to protect the economic livelihoods of you and your family. That's Danielle Smith and the United Conservative Party. Thanks for listening. God, he looks good. <laughs> yeah. He looks good. He looks healthy. He looks his skin yeah. looks great. He looks good. <laughs> Look yeah. at him. You know that and I think that the, this endorsement too, it's to the point you made earlier, for those people who are on the fence, um, or those people who have bought some of this. I mean, listen, the fact with Danielle Smith is she was on a talk show where she asked questions. We talked a little bit earlier about paying to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. She was on a talk show discussing and she said, does the government really need to pay for every doctor visit? That's called a question. And that's what you often do when you're engaging in conversations. I know the NDP doesn't like taking questions and they don't seem to understand how conversations work, but that's what was happening on, on that show. Um, but people did see lots of those clips, did hear that um, often we throw back to this lake of fire incident terminology, which now apparently if you do anything or question anything, uh, you're right along those lines. But uh, having people like Stephen Harper, like Pierre Polyever, a number of other folks coming out, mainstream conservatives and endorsing uh, Daniel Smith, I think I think does win those people over. And I, I think it really does matter because if we're willing, if, if Albertans are willing to buy into that sort of push pushed narrative, the fear-mongering, the characterization of Danielle Smith is extreme. Danielle Smith is very socially progressive. I don't agree with her on a lot of those issues, um, but she, she's, she has a libertarian bent with her, within her, so she tends to want to leave people alone, which I agree with, and she tends to just want to give people opportunities by cutting taxes, by creating jobs, by bringing people in to the province who want to work, by bringing businesses into the province to create jobs and opportunities. That's what I think she wants to focus on. If there is an extreme person or an extreme party in this election, it's not Daniel Smith, it's not the UCP, it's Rachel Notley and some of her active communist, anti-oil lobby, anti-Alberta 
friends who are who are literal active communists. Um, that is the that is what the media should have been focusing on as the extremist concerns. I had a few people last night saying they wish the UCP would have gone after them. Uh, would have would have. I mean, they pointed it out, but. Unlike the NDP, they weren't harping on this, but I think the UCP wanted to stick to this. You know what? We're not going to get into dirty politics. We're going to focus on here's our policies. Here's what's working for the province. They can sling mud. We've got work to do. Um, from what I hear, most people that is resonating well with them. We'll see on an election night if that play was worth it or if they should have gambled more with some active attacks, um, attack style campaigns. But um, I, I, for one, appreciate just it, it's more like old school Canadian politics where you're arguing about your 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 best idea. We saw Jean, Jean Chrétien was actually likely to lose the election. Um, and, and someone made a comment about his face, a personal attack. And after that, it actually swept uh, and that's why he became the leader of this country. That used to be the state of Canadian politics. If you went after somebody, it was considered low, it was considered dirty. Uh, the media have not been decrying the NDP for all of these personal attacks, for overt and evidenced and what can be clearly certified in court as lying, or at least omissions of the truth. They've not been criticized or attacked in any way, shape or form. Um, so I hope that Albertans are a little more old school, a little bit more the way politics used to be, and I hope they see through that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that Harper will bring to the table is um, it harkens back to the times when politics were boring, and I miss mm -hmm. that. I miss yeah. his boring clothes, and I miss his Lego man hair, and I miss his boring uh, sweaters that he sometimes wore and his droning voice. Um but he was smart. I mean, he was an accountant. <laughs> yeah. The most interesting thing about him is that he foster parented a chinchilla at one point. Like that was the most outrageous <laughs> thing that Steve, oh, that he, and he drank a Pombay, which was like, I was like, ew, Pombay. Uh, what are you, 17? And named Bailey. <laughs> and you're a cheerleader. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, he drank a Pompeii once and I was like, that's a little, I like him less now all of a sudden. But it harkens back to the times when politics were boring and grown up and it's definitely not grown up these days. And uh, I think that endorsement from Harper will also alleviate some of the fears of Kenny loyalists because we know Kenny was intensely loyal to Stephen Harper and um, Daniel Smith was a big critic of Jason Kenny. And um, but in the before times, before she came back into politics and after. And so the fact that he's there to sort of, I think maybe that's the second endorsement is sort of to heal those divisions, yeah. you know, it, it might help. And I think that the fact that so many of the people, uh, basically setting Leela here aside, who was attending liberal events and uh, probably wasn't gonna stay with the party anyways, um, and she got the least votes in the leadership, the, some of the major players, whether it be Rajan Sani, Brian, uh, Jean, Rebecca Schultz, they've been into they've been like intimately involved with this campaign, very close to Danielle Smith, um, and this despite them being at odds. Um, if, if Daniel Smith can bring those people who were basically strongly opposed and were lobbying some of these allegations against her. Now, some of the old guards, some of the people who have been in for years with Kenny, um, very Kenny loyalist people, they they are not seeking re-election. A few folks, that could just be because of the long term. Though lots of them have been serving for a long time. Lots of those people who are some of the most staunch opponents have come in and taken key positions under Daniel Smith, have been advocating, speaking by her side. So if you can have 
like Stephen Harper, Pierre Polyever. And then if you can have these people who are her opponents in the leadership race, not stepping aside, but bring, being brought into the fold, because um, every one of those leadership candidates, they represent somebody, whether it be the, the more progressive conservative back, whether it be the social conservatives, every one of those leaders sort of represents a different demographic and they haven't been cast aside. They haven't been relegated to the backbenches. They've been at the forefront advocating for their constituents and advocating for the views that align with them. And Daniel Smith has managed. And again, part of this is thanks to a sort of libertarian event. Everyone can fit. I kind of joked last night that there was this massive tent. We've been talking forever about a big tent party. And it's interesting to see that it seems that the radical outlandish extremist Daniel Smith, it's one of the first times that, that it isn't just a, a general term being used, but, but you literally, literally and figuratively have people coming together from all kinds of backgrounds saying the NDP option is not for us. That's going to destroy our province. That's going to set us back. Let's come together and unify. A little bit of boring politics, like you said, uh, never hurt anybody. Well, and it just in, even in a selection of her cabinet, you know, she it was more of like a healing cabinet than a division yeah. cabinet. Um, and there's some pros and cons to that. So sometimes you do want to drain the muskeg and just yeah. put your own people in because those loyalists may work against you. And that's the risk you have to take. But she moved Chandro to public safety where he is actually, after being the harshest critic of him yeah. and his treatment of, uh, you know, conscientious objectors during the time of COVID, he's doing good work on the gun file. So I'm not mad about yeah. it. And he's doing good work on uh, bail reform and things like that. So, you know, she's taking some of the old guard and giving mm -hmm. them things that they can do and making them better. Likewise with tapes. You know, didn't shuffle tapes out of finance um, because he's doing a good job there, even though he's a Kenny loyalist. So, you know, um, there are some risks there for sure. Um, maybe it'll yeah. blow up in her face, but so far, so good. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, though, I think strategically, I know we're coming up against it here. Strategically, I think knowing how she was being portrayed, being like, we mm -hmm. need to come together. And I'm willing to work with you. I, I asked her a question about whether UCP MLAs will be able to vote freely and, or whether they'll be controlled. Because under Kenny, we saw two exceptional MLAs uh, in in uh, Taves and, uh, or sorry, in uh, Barnes and Lowen ejected from the party. Yeah. Lowen's now back in the loop. But because they were they were speaking out and they were questioning it, it seems like you aren't going to have that sort of hammer fest and they're going to have conversations. And when I asked that question, all the MLAs behind her were sort of nodding and saying, yeah, we actually can bring forward our concerns. We can express alternative views. Um, and, and that's what she needs to do because she doesn't have she's going to be held accountable. We held Kenny accountable. Don't get me wrong. But Kenny came in as sort of this salvific figure. Um, and everyone was like, oh, Kenny, Kenny. And I'm sure he had a pretty strong grip on the party. And if COVID-19 wouldn't have happened, he probably would have been in power for quite a period of time. Danielle Smith doesn't have that same luxury. So she has to be willing to work with everyone to bring them in and have their support. Because if, if, if she were to exclude a bunch of these leadership candidates, if it were to create greater divides, she might not have the support she needs to win this election. She might not be able to sway over those people who maybe like Rebecca Schultz, but aren't crazy about Daniel Smith. Well, if Rebecca Schultz is seen as right alongside her, they can come in and they can vote for that party, knowing that they'll be representative. I think that was the strategy involved. Well, and you've seen in these campaign announcements, Schultz and Jean, so um, two competitors against Smith for the leadership. They've been very prominent, making some very high profile yeah. Uh, campaign announcements on behalf of the premier. And I think that is a very strategic choice 
to yeah. uh, alleviate the fears of the people in those camps. Um, we should, I know we have three chats, Olivia whispers in my ear, um, but we should briefly touch on the fireworks uh, uh, issue yeah. uh, in Calgary. Uh, apparently fireworks are racist. And so a bunch of privileged people on city council got offended on behalf of indigenous people. It's a very um, difficult needle to thread. I couldn't make a lot of sense of it. But uh, so the privileged people on council said, no, 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 we're offended on behalf of the indigenous people. We're canceling the fireworks on Canada Day. The indigenous people said, oh, what? <laughs> and Dan McLean, one of the, I don't know, maybe two <laughs> uh, conservatives on Calgary City Council, yeah. uh, he sort of raised holy hell and fireworks are back. This is, I guess, when the outrage mob works in the other direction and does something good. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's funny because a, a couple of the more sort of activist counselors were taking to Twitter saying that, like, and I, I tweeted, like, oh, this is for whites, by whites, as, as though white people aren't allowed to have anything, and that's terrible. But it, it isn't. Canada is the most unifying thing imaginable. It's all about people coming together. And I have to tell you, as soon as this came out, I was already reaching out to Tsutina, who, barring a fire ban, are, are going to have fireworks anyways. So the First Nations communities all around Calgary, well, well they're having fireworks, so it isn't them. Someone was also saying that it's offensive to the Chinese community. I don't think that's quite true. I'm pretty sure they're rather fond of fireworks so isn't there, there, that, yeah isn't that where we got fireworks from yeah it sure is and they <laughs> they tend it's either canada i think israel's pretty good too and china that like win the big fireworks competitions um so you're talking about like communities first nations people obviously they were going to do it there, there's there's advocacy there melissa Barkey, um uh first nations cree metis woman i believe was speaking out yep. uh, a friend of ours and, and she's been on a few times um she was speaking out saying hey don't blame us for this we want the fireworks <laughs> um so just another in the latest of uh sort of guilt guilt point scoring uh we have to take down the racism flares like i i don't get what the the basis for this was you know i get there's some people out there their dogs are sensitive or they're worried about migratory birds your dog will get over it whatever i i get that that's probably the only thing i've ever had any sympathy towards in this but frankly mm -hmm. if once a year some fireworks go off Canadians come together we set the politics aside and we agree that at least we live in a beautiful place and we can be together i think that notion of authentic unity authentic coming together authentic canadianness where it doesn't matter where you're from it doesn't matter what your background is what you believe but for one day we're just going to watch some fireworks together we're all going to be happy we're going to be canadian that sort of unity is destructive to the progressive left and that's what they wanted to destroy they wanted to take that moment away they want us divided they want us in these sort of tribal packs thinking we're enemies and well when fireworks go off everyone gets the exact same smile on their face that's what they hate that's what they attack and i'm proud to see dan mclean and a number of these other counselors it's happening right across the country people are speaking back don't mess with our fireworks it sounds like the canada day celebration at least the fireworks is also canceled in vancouver um in reaction of course yeah <clears throat> yeah and they're they're not even calling it Canada Day anymore. They're calling it Canada Together. That's the whole point. Like, that, yeah. Like, what is the point? So, in reaction to residential school findings, including the renaming of the event to Canada Together, with a refocus on daytime programming, planning, collaborative 
collectively with the local First Nations of the Musqueam, Squamish, and uh, I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to say it. Last year's revamped theme was weaving together the fabric of a nation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, by the way, moreover to your point about, um, you know, yes, it does scare the dogs and the horses, but as a responsible dog owner and a livestock owner on uh, Canada Day and on New Year's, I make sure everybody's put away <laughs> because I know my neighbors out here in the country are going to get a little wild. And also, yeah. when I do set off fireworks that can be seen from the International Space Station, um, I go tell the neighbors. Like, <laughs> honestly, I don't wait for a particular reason. Like, if I if I'm feeling fireworksy, I go up to the store and get some fireworks. But I do let the neighbors know, like, hey, uh, things are going to get a little frisky on the homestead after dark, so you might want to put your dog in, just out of respect for our neighbors. But if they said no, we're not putting our dog in, then I would say, well, that's your problem then. Yeah, you know, it's never come to that. (laughs) Whether it be the Alberta election, whether it be uh, this this fireworks incident, whatever it is, when you look at the progressive left, they say all these things that that sound nice. Just there's this thin veneer of nicety and fake politeness. And and you know what it is? What it is, is ultimately they're pitching all of this stuff that is tolerant and Canadians want to love each other. Tolerance is a horrible thing. If I tell you that I tolerate you, that's a pretty awful thing for a human being to say to another person. Canadians, we respect each other. We want to come together. We want to share each other's culture. And we, we don't want to tolerate each other. We want to love each other. And, and that's what, not, not what they do. They, they may have love signs on their lawns and love belongs here and hate has no home. But ultimately, everything they do has a thin veneer of nicety. But the, the underlying sort of substance of it is division, is, is taking away nice things is attacking fireworks honest to goodness it's ridiculous um and again th- this this election the federal election i hope there's a repudiation of all of this nonsense uh it, it just has to stop um uh, the d- drag queen story hours are not okay fireworks are okay yeah yeah i can't believe this is where we're at it's in society that a yep. man in sequined underpants sequined ladies underpants reading your kid a story is appropriate but blasting off some fireworks on canada day is the racist intolerant thing to do i can't even believe this is where we're at at, in society and adam unlike you i don't i don't care to be loved (laughs) i just want to be left alone like i don't need to be affirmed by the people around me i really don't just leave me alone i'm gonna set off fireworks you know respecting (laughs) somebody though leaving them alone yeah that's that like that that that's 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 a love in its own right. You know what I mean? That's it's respecting yes. people. It's actually having. You know what I mean? That's authentic. The 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 veneer would be the 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 constant weighing in, modifying, controlling every aspect of your life. That's what the other side wants. Uh, love is wanting the best for another person, and if you wanting to be on your farm, enjoying your animals, having some peace and quiet is what's what's best for you. That's what I want. It's not what the NDP want. Yes. Love me by leaving me alone. Yes. Yep. Adam, yes. That's your love language. Uh, leave me alone. Yeah. My love language is uh, being left alone. Exactly. Getting off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, uh, we've got uh, three chats. We'll get to them. And then uh, we're already past the top of the hour. And I, I realized my Skype connection was horrible today. Um, Mike from Freedom Honey. This is my friend, Mike Mayer. Great guy. Veteran and apiarist um five bucks the ndp will never be a sensible party two words somali curriculum 
yes, they they did uh, they did want a Somali curriculum, and I'm just like, can we have a Canadian one? Can we just have a Canadian one. It'd be okay. Um, and then we've got one from Cheryl Don V. Gives us five bucks. Very very disappointed in Pastor Art. Lost a lot of respect for him. I think you're referring to his press conference the other day that he held at the steps of the legislature. Uh, what people have to remember is Pastor Art is also a politician. And so um, politicians will hold press conferences and be critical of their political adversaries. And for Pastor Art, it is both Daniel Smith, but also uh, Rachel Nutley. Let's keep going. Fraser McBurney, five bucks. I can't let a day go by without <laughs> kicking in a buck or two to help the rebel excel. Join us at Hamilton City Hall, 12 noon this Sunday. Fraser McBurney is a fight the fines recidivist, but also a fight the fines uh, victor. He uh, got a fine. But he was helped through the Democracy Fund uh, to uh, get those lifted from his shoulders. And he is a perpetual protester for freedom and a lover of the cat's lock and a regular viewer and a regular donor. And uh, I know a lot about him from just his little chats every day, don't I? I think that's it. I think we're all wrapped up. Um, I should remind everybody, it sounds like we're not going to have the regular daily roundup live stream on Monday. And the reason for that is because it is going to be an absolute marathon session for Sheila later on in the day as we work to cover the live stream. So just to take some of the burden off our crew in HQ because they are going to be working late and frankly, two hours later than the rest of us yeah. here in Alberta. It's going to be a very late day for them. So we're going to kill the stream, but we would encourage you to tune in later on in the day. I think we go live at 6.45 Alberta times. So it's 8.45 um, in the center of the universe for those of you watching in Toronto. Um, but I also would like for you to, when you go to the Rebel News main page, there's always a pop-up that comes on there. Give us your email address. We're not going to abuse it. But what we will use it for is if there are times where we cancel the stream or there's changes to our regular programming, we can send you an email and let you know so you're not sitting at your computer saying, where's David's obnoxious chuckle today? <laughs> I was looking forward to that. Um, that. That's your way of finding out um, if there are delays or changes in programming too. Um, it helps us stay in touch with you. So please do that uh, so that you're never um, inconvenienced by any changes in our programming. But we should be ready to launch the studio on Monday. And I think that's it. I do, I do encourage folks just quickly on that note, it can be really tempting on election day to turn on your TV, uh, let give the mainstream media some ratings on election day. Consider going to albertadecides.com, watch our coverage. We're going to be there all night. We've already been guaranteed quite a few exclusives with some MLAs. We're going to have some special guests coming on, some folks you know from Rebel News. And we're going to be there for hours. We're going to cover the entire thing from 6.45 on. We're going to have results as they come in. We're going to be covering it on all angles, Twitter, VR, live stream. We're going to have a big team on location there. So do ensure that you can check in there. You can go uh, on YouTube or Rumble. You can cast it to your TV if you want to watch it like that. But instead of uh, chipping into the results of those mainstream guys, watch with us. You can engage with us. We're going to be able to have conversations. Ezra's going to be there. Sheila's going to be there. I'll be there. We'll have a big team on the ground. So do come watch with us. We'd love to spend some time with you. Looking forward to it again, albertadecides.com. You'll be able to find it all there. Great. I think that's the show. Um, thanks to everybody in the studio in Toronto for making sure that we were able to broadcast today. Adam, thanks so much for being Thank my co-pilot. It's always you and Jesus. 
co-pilots on Friday. Um, thanks to everybody at home who tuned in um, and to those of you who kicked in a few bucks to help keep the lights on during the stream, but also who are throwing in a few bucks at buildthedream.ca to help uh, bring the new studio together. Um, I will see you Monday, but later on in the day. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane. <laughs>